We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Hey yo everybody, what's up? It's me, Joe Pizzapia, and this is the Rotowire DFS podcast sponsored by FanDuel. I am your host. It's Monday. It's the recap of the weekend. It's the look ahead to Monday, Thursday. And my co-host today is in a good mood. Yes, he's sunny. It's amazing. Just a, a couple days later, one was just at the bottom of the barrel, and now he's gone all the way to the top with a big in-division rivalry win. Joe Bartle, Cocker Nation, how you doing? Wisconsin woke up with a smile on its face today. It's 15 degrees. It's chilly. I had to scrape off stuff from my car. But it doesn't matter because the Packers beat the Bears without Aaron Rodgers, without basically any semblance of a – productive football team for the last four weeks we still beat the bears and that's how you start a great week i love it i love it i love the energy he's feeling good he's feeling the flow and hopefully you guys are too after a, a pretty fascinating weekend here we go again uh, another you know weekend where you see certain things that seem like locks and uh, they continue to defy all logic for some reason um, there were some things certainly on friday show we did get right uh, including me, the uh, Patriots running back whisperer, giving you Rex Burkhead. And if you had Burkhead in the late games, I know some people were tweeting at me that they did. You done all right. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, no. I mean, you really shouldn't shortchange yourself. It was. It felt like I listened to the whole thing on Friday, and I normally do. I, I love what you guys do in the Friday podcast. And it was to the point where I think you almost named too many players that went off. That's what it felt like. I mean, there were some notable guys that did not. But for the most part, I felt like I was choosing between, oh, a guy that's going to get 20 or a guy that's going to get 30. And I just made the wrong choices most of the times based on your podcast. You guys did great. I will say the rest well, of I'll take myself fantastic. To, I'll take myself to task on, on Jarek McKinnon. Before you give any more praise, <laughs> just heap all the Jarek McKinnon hate on me. I will take the heat. 
like I said, it goes both ways over here. You know, you got to take the good with the bad. And McKinnon was was awful disappointing, and uh, I owned a lot of shares of him this weekend. Uh, so for every two that I got right, that one I got wrong, and I, I apologize out there, Brutal Wire Nation. Well, the, Bur- the Burkhead call was great, but I also thought Deion Lewis, who I was thinking was going to be the bigger of the backs at, in, against the Patriots or with the Patriots, as you say, really did pretty well, too. I know the he kickoff did. return doesn't really help fantasy-wise, but I thought overall he looked pretty good, and I, I felt confident using him in season-long leagues, too. And in DFS, for the most part, it worked out. So, you know, that that was a, that was an interesting game overall. But, you know, I, I go back to it. I felt like you guys made a whole bunch of really, really good calls and maybe a few that didn't go out the way they were supposed to. But it was, it was an interesting week in fantasy overall. All right, well, let's start with the quarterbacks because here we are now back-to-back weeks with Jared Goff just looking like a stud. I mean, the QBR rating of 125, he threw for 355, three touchdowns. I mean, what, what's going on here? Is this the Jared Goff renaissance? I mean, <laughs> we really got to stand up and take note, don't we? Yeah, that and Carson Wentz too. I mean, or Deshaun Watson, those three, the young quarterbacks actually showing up and doing some things season-long DFS-wise has to be one of the biggest takeaways, I think, from this season. And of course, we lost Watson so far, so now we're just left with Goff and Wentz. I've never been a huge fan of Goff, and it's I really feel like I'm, I'm biting my tongue. That and uh, Adam Thielen has been probably my two biggest whoopsies on my fantasy seasons thus far. I, Goff, is, Goff is doing well, and I know the Rams get a little bit of a tougher schedule coming up, but at this point, I wonder if he's not a go-to guy most weeks. I just don't feel great saying it. I, don't, I definitely don't feel great using it, but I think we have to start recognizing it at some point. Yeah, and look, defense has played well. I mean, you know, we don't want to get too excited because it's Tom Savage on the other side of this game. But, you know, we, we got to talk about the fact that these are back-to-back games now for Jared Goff, and he's had um, certainly enough games where you look at him and you go, okay, he, he's a viable option. I think that's, that's basically what you want to see. And going forward, you know, trying to figure out, well, where that salary is going to be, it's just 7,900 next week against Minnesota. And I know Minnesota is a good football team, but, you know, they gave up a fair amount of points this past week as well. They're not – untouchable and I think golf goes right back in week 11 into that player pool of tournament play quarterbacks I agree with you and I I was surprised that Kirk Cousins did what he did this week against the Vikings I felt like that I didn't get a chance much to watch that because again Packers were beating the Bears so we had to watch all that well Uh, of course you have to watch that (laughs) did you just drown yourself in cheese curds I'm just like I'm just guessing I'm just picturing uh, you just like you know just like all the cheese curds is all over your body and they're watching there were it. There no drowning of cheese curds, but there certainly <laughs> were some drowning of, you know, beverages that were going on throughout there you the go. Of that Attaboy. game. Uh, and, I mean, we could talk about Hunley for days, but we'll, I'm going to try to steer away from that for the most part. This is supposed to be an informational podcast. Um, <laughs> I, I, I thought that Cousins did a lot of things against the Vikings defense that I wasn't anticipating. And go off to this point and the way they're utilizing with that Rams offense, might be one of those where maybe he's not going to get 25 fan, uh, Fando points per game or whatever else he's been doing, but you could be getting maybe 18 from him. Two touchdowns seems like a reasonable ask, especially with the fact that they utilized Todd Gurley in that passing game, and that's as simple as a short pass route. And the screens, they've been susceptible to, the Vikings defense. That yes. Is. I think that there's there's a situation where Robert Woods, even Sammy Watkins, uh, Todd Gurley, you get a screenplay, turn a 25-yard couple juke plays into a touchdown, and boom, you have Goff's numbers that you're looking at. So – I don't, I don't feel like you can rule him out at this point anymore in the season. No, let's talk about Case Keenum, too. Another guy that, you know, we really didn't chat about on Friday's show. But, you know, four touchdowns. He did throw the two picks, but a 300-yard game with four TDs will take that any day, especially with the salary he was at. And with Teddy Bridgewater kind of, you know, starting to come back and being active on the roster again, that, 
I guess, was enough of motivation there for Keenum. And, and I love it. I mean, you know, you got to look. Thielen was a guy that we were on on Friday, and he certainly was a great return. So was Golden Tate. And, you know, Keenum, I think at this point, too, it's – I don't even think a bad job you can really take him out of there. I think it would be insane to take Keenum out right now. Bridgewater hasn't played in a year and a half. It's a great story. I'm glad he's coming back. But right now, if you're Minnesota, you got to stick with Case Keenum for better or worse. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I love that Bridgewater was there and I, I've been a fan of his since college and I was happy to see that he could actually take the field and, you know, be a part of the team for the most part after that horrific knee injury. Um, you know, it's, it's great to see, but I think Keenum has to be the way to go. DFS wise though, I'm not comfortable using him against the Rams next week. I'm not comfortable using him against the Lions the week after that too. I think that this, not, not that it felt fluky because I think Keenum for the most part, we know what he is. But four touchdowns against a Redskins defense that we also know what it is. Uh, it, it was a game plan dri- driven decision, in my opinion, to see those two go off cousins like Keenum. And I don't anticipate really Keenum doing be, being able to do what he did like he did last week. Well, Keenum was the uh, number one lineup quarterback in the uh, million dollar tournament this week over on FanDuel. His ownership, 0.7%. So, uh, you know, that, that was certainly one that I can honestly say nobody was on. And uh, nice work there to <laughs> the winner of that tournament. Who knows Keenum on that one? Hey, Case Keenum. Well, you know what? There, it, was, it was smart in a way because if you did like Thielen, it, it was a smart pairing. And I think that's uh, – it, it was a Thielen, uh, Thielen Keenum. Uh, actually, I just made them like a, like a Hollywood couple. I made them uh, Thielen. <laughs> I just did that. Well, it was so like Benifer. What is Diggs then, too? Is that going to be like a, the trying uh, Is he kind of the, uh, the girl on the outside? Kiggs? It would be Kiggs or uh, Diggum, which I kind of like Diggum better. I like the Diggum. I like the Diggum one. That's not Diggum, bad. Diggum would be better. But the, the Keenum-Thielen uh, combination made sense. And, you know, between the two of them, both with 26-plus points, uh, that was a huge difference maker in tournaments if you had that pairing. And clearly not many did, but that 1% certainly paid off there. Oh, one more quarterback to talk about, too, and then we'll get to the disappointing quarterbacks. Uh, let's talk about Tom Brady because, I mean, you call him the ageless wonder, call him anything you want. All I know is Tom Brady threw for three more touchdowns. You know it's going to be a pass-heavy offense, uh, 266, three scores, 22 points. Next week is only 8,600 against Oakland in Oakland. I don't care. That defense stinks. That secondary is awful. I'm looking for more Tom Brady next week in cash. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm sure this is really painful for you to talk about Tom Brady and how great he did. Oh, it's, it's very hard. Nice. This, is, yeah, yeah. this is a difficult conversation for you to have. Um, at the same time, I think it's one that needs to be had because at 8,600, that's super surprising to me. Why would he be so low against the Raiders that's been so bad? I we don't saw know. Prescott at 8,800 against the Falcons team that we know is better than they really have been for most of the season or at least have shown. So that that's surprising to me. That that feels like you almost have to do that. that they're, they're trapping you into it, that you're going to have to pay up for that spot because – yeah, that's uh, what he had 266 yards, three touchdowns against the Broncos defense that has been pretty good this season. I have to imagine he does better next week against the Raiders. Now, Roethlisberger was good. I mean, it was fine. You know, 18, that's his highest fan duel point total on the season. Uh, Stafford was exactly who we thought he would be. So both of the chalk cash game quarterbacks that we talked about were, you know, pretty much, even though it was a rough start to the game. <laughs> in a way it kind of helped them out because they did have to stay aggressive so it wasn't like they can rest on their laurels let's go over and let's talk about the running backs here for a moment and uh you know no Ezekiel Elliott let's chat about that too I thought that Dak Prescott and company would be able to uh really filter that offense through him I thought he was up to the task all of a sudden the Atlanta Falcons show up could not have been more wrong about Dak Prescott 
going forward with this Morris McFadden thing, I mean, is this going to just drag down all the Cowboys no. all together? You weren't. I don't think you were wrong about Dak Prescott, really. I mean, I mean, you were forced to watch that game for the most part because there wasn't one, at least on local television, that was the game to watch uh, in the second half of the slate. You weren't wrong about that. We were wrong that Tyron Smith would have such a big impact overall with the Cowboys. That I mean, that was an embarrassment for that left tackle situation, and I think that will be probably one of the most discussed topic points uh, mm-hmm. if you're just watching national football stuff. So I'm not going to go over it too much, but six sacks by one individual player Again, Claiborne is is good. I don't think he's six sacks good, right? No. So that that wasn't so much Prescott, in my opinion. That was more that the offensive line was just so dreadful. I thought Alfred Morris looked slower, but I didn't think Darren McFadden showed me anything either. So maybe it's a guy like Rod Smith that comes out uh, and does more things as the Cowboys struggle to get some sort of offense going. I think it's mainly going to be Dak Prescott. I think Des Bryant looked to be pretty healthy. Um, I'm not going to say explosive, but I'll say ex- explosive in the mouth and not like a diarrhea way, but like a talking way. He seemed to have that attitude. And sometimes that's what you need, especially when you have a guy like Zeke out, that you need to play with that attitude that will give your team the momentum and edge it needs. And I think that he had that for the most part, just the rest of the team didn't. So I'm not worried about Des, uh, Prescott moving forward, but I am worried – maybe about the running backs more so than I was in previous weeks. All right. Well, let's talk about the New Orleans situation because we were very much on Kamara, but, you know, I talked about that. I thought Ingram might be the guy too, that, you know, he didn't have the touchdown last week and, you know, that might come back around, especially in the colder weather. He might see a little bit more Ingram. And let me tell you, you were all to, have, over that. to have two guys go over a hundred yards on the same team and that team be the same team that Drew Brees is the quarterback of. Holy crap, Joe. That this is this is a this is not your daddy's New Orleans Saints. I mean, this is this is a whole different team playing defense, uh, running the ball down people's throats. This was an incredible thing. Two hundred and thirty-seven rushing yards between the two of them and four touchdowns. And I don't know, Joe. When I look ahead to next week and I look at the pricing, Kamara's seventy-five hundred only. Ingram is eighty-two. They're both at home against Washington. I think you can actually put both of them in your lineup again. Beep, 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 beep. This just in. <laughs> we can definitely use the Saints away from New Orleans. This Yay! is the biggest takeaway for me. I didn't Woo! I didn't know this was a possibility for, for as long as we've been doing fantasy. It's like, all right, we know Roethlisberger can't play away. We also know we don't want Breeze outside of his home dome stadium, right? Not anymore. I, I had 184 yards passing. That was it against the Bills. I don't feel great about using Breeze as the quarterback. But, man, if there was points for Breeze handing off to running backs – Send me all of that share because he looked great handing the ball off to Mark Ingram and Kamara. I like – I don't know if I want to use both of them, but, man, I think that you were right on with that call about Ingram. Three touchdowns, 131 rushing yards. I, I think that offense has changed so drastically, but for the better, and it really has helped that team overall. I think the Saints are a really good football team. That defense is trending upwards. That offense, when it's not so reliant on the pass – looks a lot better and we know they're still capable of the passing well they might be the, they might be the most complete nfc team right now i still think that's the eagles i really do i think maybe See, i'm worried that the eagles closer. haven't been truly tested yet yeah that's that's, that's the only the thing and i like the really. eagles and, I, and i've been very much on the eagles i'm just worried okay let's go see them win a let, let's go i want to see them play a new orleans type team and go in there on the road and beat them that's kind of what i want to see the eagles have had a pretty favorable schedule it didn't look favorable at first you know, heading into the year, but as time's gone by, I think everybody can realize that some of those teams people thought were going to be good weren't. In this seven-game win streak, they've beaten the Panthers, Dolphins, Lions, Packers, Bears, Buccaneers, Bills. 
Tell me one of those teams that you feel great about, uh, you know, at any point when they played them. I know the Panthers have looked better now. Okay, I, I still don't think at that point, because that was the very first part of their winning streak, that they were a good team. Dolphins certainly aren't. I don't think the Lions really are either. No. That, and the Packers definitely weren't at that point. Bears, come on, give me a break. Cardinals aren't a good team. I mean, I just you just go through the whole grouping here. It's just – I mean, the Chiefs were the best team, I think, that they've beaten. But I think the Chiefs were a little bit drinking their own Kool-Aid after those first couple of games, beating the Pats week one out of the gate. But I think they've come back down to earth. And going forward, you know, I'll tell you what. You want to circle a game here for the Eagles, circle that 12-3 game primetime against the Seahawks in Seattle. You go in yes. there and beat Seattle in Seattle, then I'm then I'm I'm in 100%. I like the Eagles. I'm rooting for the Eagles. I well, got to be honest. I was referring to the the Saints schedule really during their oh, yeah. game winning streak. But to your point, we saw we were kind of talking a lot about Deshaun Watson whether we wanted to utilize him and that Texans offense against the Seahawks. I feel like that's a measuring stick for the Eagles as well. I I absolutely agree with you. If they can go in there and beat that team, I I think that's a bigger deal. To the Eagles schedule though, that third that game against the Panthers, that was one where it's like, well, are we for sure? Are, are they for real? And I thought they really showed out that game. So I feel like they've honestly played bigger games than the Saints. That's why I say the Eagles are a more complete team, but definitely a measuring stick game against the Seahawks, no doubt. Now, overall, kind of a light weekend in terms of rushing stars. I mean, Crowell had a good game, uh, Tevin Coleman, but, you know, not a whole lot of people on there. I mean, some people were on Coleman because of the Freeman injury. I want to ask you about the Green Bay situation, losing not one but two running backs and then Jamal Williams stepping in, who I know a lot of people in season long were high on coming into the year as one of those draft, drafted stash guys. And now here we are where we're looking at Williams now being kind of, the, I mean, quite literally, not figuratively, but literally the last man standing. He's just 5,600 next week. He's at home, but it's against Baltimore. And that rush defense of Baltimore has been much better since Williams has come back. Uh, not Jamal Williams, the other Williams. Do you see any sort of love here for him uh, at 5,600? Do you think just not enough offense total uh, against that defense for them? No, not, not a chance. No, I'm not okay. touching Jamal Williams. And I'll go so far as to say, is I, and I want to make, I'm going to have to look this up maybe after the podcast just to make sure, but Devontae Mays is, I think, now the second running back with Montgomery likely out for a little while because he re injured those ib, uh, ribs. And then, of course, Aaron Jones will be out with a little bit of that sprained knee. So I think it's Devontae Mays is the second guy. And he was billed as the power back. Like that was the three rookie running backs. Aaron Jones could do both of everything. Williams was the better runner. Mays was the power back. I don't, I'm not a huge fan of Jamal Williams. I haven't really been since basically the beginning of the season. I know he had 67 yards on 20 carries. He's the guy that they'll probably go to most often. But don't rule out Mays as the guy that takes those red zone touchdowns and carries if they get there. I don't anticipate it against the Ravens, but if we're talking season-long leagues, I actually think that Mays might be the smarter pickup over Williams. Uh, I, I think that Mays might be the guy they utilize and get most of those points from if they get to the red zone. All right, let's go talk about the wide receivers. Uh, we talked about Adam Thielen already, who was certainly you know a, a great day. Uh, his ownership percentage in the Million Dollar Tournament was uh, 7%, which I, I thought it would be in double digits for sure. I was shocked when I saw that number, uh, just because the target volume has been so strong for him. But Robert Woods was the real star of the day. 171, two touchdowns, eight catches. I mean, Woods is a guy at this point I, I think that you've got to really just be aware of regardless of matchup. As long as the cost is somewhere in that vicinity, I think he bears witness. And as you talked about the way they've used Gurley in multi-purpose format, it's kind of allowed Goff to find these receivers like Woods and, and they go in there. I mean, this is not like one game now. There's a couple games here for Robert Woods putting together where it seems like there's that rapport following together with the two of them. 
Absolutely. And we talked again about the Vikings and how they really are susceptible to that screening game. And I think that's where Woods really comes in handy. Now, last week we saw him jet through in that, what, third and 30 it felt like, and he got mm-hmm. a touchdown. That was just a gross play overall. Like that was, that was an embarrassment of watching football. That wasn't the case I felt like in this Texans game. I don't anticipate Woods doing what he has done the last two weeks. I don't think you can really count on that. You're going to see a lot of people flying to that, especially at his 6,200 price tag, whatever else it is next, next week. You're going to look at that, those last two weeks and like, oh, we have to use him. I'm, I'm just cautious about that. Like, let's not jump on that train completely. If he's under 7,000 again, fine. Let's, that's fantastic price for a guy that really is their nominal receiver, number one receiver. I'm not high in, that high in Sammy Watkins. I know that the talent is there, but he, he really isn't the guy that they utilize. It's Woods. At the same time, if you stack that Rams offense this week, you worked out pretty darn well. And that's kind of been this, the trend for DFS this season. You stack that Rams offense, and they do fairly well. I, I'm, not, I'm not sold on Woods yet, but I think it's tough to avoid him at that price tag. I, I think we have to be sold on him. And I think we have to be sold, more importantly, on McVeigh. And I think that, you know, if people are talking about different coaches being, you know, coach of the year. And while some teams that have gotten out, you know, like uh, Doug Peterson, you know, how good the, the Eagles have played, you know, I don't know if Peterson's the greatest coach in the world. You want to talk about a guy who came into a situation that was God awful and has made a team relevant and looked like to be a playoff team, potentially it's McVay. It's McVay and the Rams. I mean, if that guy doesn't deserve coach of the year for turning around what the obliteration of an organization that was left behind for Jeff Fisher and his regime, I mean, McVay to me is is the job of the year. That, that's just tremendous. Sterling Shepard had a good day, 11 for 142, no touchdown. Emmanuel Sanders, nobody saw it coming. A.J. Green, a good A.J. Green day, which is great considering, you know, overall the number one wide receivers have been disappointing of late. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins still over 100 yards, which is spectacular considering Tom Savage. So at least you know the targets are still going there. Keep an eye on Hopkins' salary throughout the year because – as long as the target volume is still there, he could be a sneaky play, especially in full-point PPR. Smith-Schuster, we were split on. John said yes. I said I prefer Robbie Anderson. We were both right. Luckily, they were both kind of in the same vicinity. <laughs> Four for 85 for Anderson to score. Five for 97 for Smith-Schuster in a touchdown. Smith-Schuster is the slightly better game. Golden Tate we rocked out as well. Uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, two-touchdown Austin Eckler. Uh, okay, there's another guy too. Now, he keeps like popping in there from time to time. I'm going to ignore him. I just want everybody else to to also get on the same page of ignoring him. You're not paying attention to Austin Eckler, are you, at this point? No, and, and for okay. the listeners, you should know that I actually write the notes for the Chargers and the, the beat writer at RotoWare. So any of those notes that you see on the guys like Melvin, Melvin Gordon and Phillip Rivers and Austin Eckler, I write those ones. So I'm pretty familiar with the Chargers offense as a whole and kind of what their scheme is. I felt like that was a bit of a fluky performance. I think that uh, Anthony, Lynn, Anthony Lynn, the head coach of the Chargers, wanted to utilize the hot hand, and Eckler was certainly the hot hand in that sense. I am a little bit worried about using Melvin Gordon in DFS and certainly in season long as well. I'm not saying Eckler is going to take over for Gordon. I think that would be a stretch, certainly after just really one big game. But I think that Gordon as a whole might be slipping a little bit, and you're using him for the targets and everything else that he gets and all the carries. I think that you start to see a bit more of like a – a 70-30 or 60-40 trend with Eckler being used in there, Gordon's the better talent, and he will be the better talent. But I think that Eckler is a good change of pace back, and they like what he provides to that offense. So I'm not using Eckler, but I am a little bit worried about Gordon moving forward. All right, and uh, last but uh, certainly not least here, Garrett Selick against the Giants, four for 67 (laughs) and a touchdown. I mean, 
it, it it's amazing. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you, taxes and use those tight ends against the Giants. Oh, I just I can't believe it. And you know, I <laughs> I, I I kept saying all week on uh, FNTSY Radio on all my shows. I said if if Ben McAdoo goes to San Francisco and loses, there's no way they can let him back on the plane. <laughs> like you just leave him there. You leave him in San Francisco. You know how like I left my heart in San Francisco. The yep. Giants should just leave their coach in San Francisco and just just move on and say, listen, Ben, we're good. Just you know. We we got your old job at Home Depot back. You go back there to aisle seven. Yeah, I can't where the wrenches are. or deny these reports, but I think they tried to, and he was able to kind of sneak on through the cargo portion of the, the flight there. So that was the only he got. Well, he had a lot of hair gel left over, so yeah. he kind of greased himself up. <laughs> oh God, what a disaster! All right, let's. You know, the second they fire him, he's going to come back to Green Bay, though. Like Mike McCarthy will be just salivating over the fact that he can well, just yeah. make a do back. And look, and some guys are meant to be coordinators. You know, Norv Turner comes to mind, mm, you know, yes. right off the bat. There's some, some guys are just better Wade suited. Phillips. Wade Phillips is another one who a brilliant defensive coordinator has been a brilliant defensive coordinator in lots of spots and a bad head coach in others. Some guys just aren't meant to run the entire team. They're just too minded on one end of the ball or not minded enough on the other, or just don't have the personality to wrangle the entire thing together. It's an odd hybrid that you get a guy like a Belichick, you know, or a Parcells or those kind of guys. Um, so, yeah, let's look ahead at the Monday, Thursday, and let's start talking about these games. You got Miami at Carolina, which I'm sure, you know, I, I can't think of a more exciting matchup. And then you got Tennessee <laughs> at Pittsburgh uh, on Thursday night. Now, Roethlisberger at home, I'm making a case against Tennessee, who I know Tennessee's played pretty well defensively. I'm going to make a case for a stack here with Pittsburgh. I'm going to make a case for the, the, the triplet, Roethlisberger, Lev Bell, and Antonio Brown. You could do it very easily. You sprinkle in the Murrays and Parkers and Matthews of the world in there, and it's a very easy thing to do. And you still got plenty of salary left over in the cash game. I think it's just the smartest thing to do. And I think the way to win tournaments this week in Monday, Thursday is to do the exact opposite. That's a bold strategy, Cotton. I'm curious to see how that plays <laughs> off. Uh, you well, know, because I think that the floor is so high on those guys that the ownership will so be so high that if you don't have them, it's going to be hard. And they all do go off in cash games. You're going to be out in the cold. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm I'm so skeptical of using Roethlisberger. Just oh, me too. Oh, please, I hate you him. guys. You guys really <laughs> sold it well for me on Friday talking about how bad he has been this season. And I knew he was bad, but I didn't realize that he hadn't gone over 17 Fanduel points prior to Sunday. Bad. And that's kind of what we're looking at. I don't, I don't feel great, especially on a Thursday night against a, a Tennessee team that, for the most part, has been pretty good. I know that the record is kind of boosted by the, the pitiful AFC South, but at the same time... That See, that's exactly where I'm going spot. with it, Joe. That You nailed it. That's exactly what my thought process is. I think they're, they're, their rankings are a little soft, and then on top of that, you know, the, where they do struggle is a little bit against the pass, and I think that's where this team potentially can shine, especially with Smith-Schuster now and Brown and, and the weapons that they have. Yeah, I, I don't know. They're, they're actually trending a little bit above middle of the pack when it, terms, when it comes to allowing uh, points to the quarterback spot. Tennessee that is so I, I understand it's more so that I just don't feel great about using Cam Newton at 8800 like that that screams to me stay away I wonder if Mariota is not the better call but at the same time we know that Pittsburgh defense has been better than a lot of people thought they would at the beginning of the season as long as Mariota is healthy I like the, the ability he got running the ball I think that Tennessee offense as a whole is trending upwards I, I would kind of rather go with Mariota as the quarterback for well I think Mariota is my tournament quarterback Okay. I think right. I think that's like I said. I think the Roethlis, the triplet stack for me is the cash game way to go. 
And then smoking Jay Cutler is not going to be your tournament play. Uh, surprisingly not. Even after the 300 <laughs> yard game, I just, as much as I just adore him, uh, I, I always call him Jay Cutler is the guy on the before part of the NyQuil commercial. You know, the guy oh. who looks stuffy and miserable <laughs> and like he can't sleep. That's Jay Cutler. He looks exactly That's- like that. That's pretty good. He's always the guy that I after those uh, the cable commercials. The he didn't get cable or he had direct TV. Oh yeah, he's totally that's, the guy who got cable and not direct TV. Yeah, yeah, yes. <laughs> that's awesome. It's funny because if you showed I'm Jay Cutler who didn't get it, I'm Jay Cutler who did. It was the same guy. <laughs> he's just miserable. Right, you, have compl- well, you have to get a completely different model for the second half of that because yeah, because Jay Cutler would be the same person both before and after. Absolutely. Yeah, he's still miserable no matter what you do. But Mariota <laughs> is the guy on the other end on the tournament thing that you know. I, I agree. Stay away from Cam Newton. I think he's, you know, there's an intrigue there because of the rushing yards, but the inconsistencies are just so much. I just want to stay away. Uh, over on the running back side, I won't stay away from McCaffrey. He's a guy that you can get behind, I'm sure. Uh, Kenyon Drake is another one, too, as we get news leading up to this game, depending on uh, Damian Williams and this illness, how you know available he's going to be. Kenyon Drake is another one at 54. You can go ahead and start. Let's talk about DeMarco Murray, too. Because yeah. there's a performance I don't think anybody saw coming. 14 for 42, two rushing touchdowns, plus he caught all four targets, targets for 30 in the touchdown. So three touchdowns, 27 points. Uh, how many people in season long had DeMarco Murray on a bench? <laughs> I don't know. I, I actually thought that Derrick Henry was the better play Sunday, and he would have been if he would have gotten any of those red zone looks. Yeah. And the thing is, it changes week to week as to who they want to utilize. Murray did not have a great yards per carry average there. Obviously, 14 for 42. That's nothing to be happy about. But then you see three touchdowns, you're like, oh, great, fantastic, Murray's back. I don't, I don't feel very good about that at all. I think this running back slate is very interesting for Monday, Thursday, because we didn't even talk about Le'Veon Bell at 9,500 for as automatic as he is, it seems, to getting those points. That's an interesting number, too. I like McCaffrey, like you said. I really like Drake at 5,400. I'm surprised that he's lower priced than Williams. I know that Williams is your PPR kind of guy, and you want to utilize him, but even he sh- Drake is the one that was getting more of the carries last week, and he was also in there for passing downs, too. I don't know. I feel I feel really oddly good about Drake at 5,400. But I also really kind of want to find a way to get Bell in my lineup too. It's it's a tough conundrum to have because there's a lot of different options available on this Monday Thursday slate. All right, let's go over to the wide receiver Antonio Brown, top of the board, ninety three. Then you got Landry at seventy six. Always uh, a good look for Landry because of the amount of volume he gets. Devonte Parker, another solid option as well. Uh, Smith Schuster, I think that's uh, again more of the tournament play. So if you're going to go the Mariota lineup and you want like Mariota and Matthews or you want to do something like that and, and, and maybe bring in a couple other people, Smith-Schuster would be the odd one to bring into that mix. Uh, and then you got Corey Davis who's been back. And Corey Davis from a talent standpoint is, is awesome. And, you know, he should have that, – that almost touchdown he had, I think we can all look at it and go, oh, God, you know, it was so close this weekend. Mm-hmm. But he did have 10 targets. And I want to bring that up because people were concerned about, well, how fast is he going to get integrated into this offense? Now, he only caught four of them. But still, 10 targets, that is a big, you know, tournament play flashing light to me that you need to take awareness of Corey Davis at 58. That's what I'm saying. I think that Corey Davis being healthy, Marcus Mariota getting healthier, Davis adds a different dimension to that offense that already had a lot of different dimensions. Maybe not all of them good, but certainly had different dimensions on offense. And I think that he adds a different – different element altogether and I'm not sure that you can necessarily game plan for the exotic smash mouth running attack and the option (laughs) plays and oh by the way we have an elite talent at wide receiver that while he isn't there yet 
we all know what he's capable of doing. If you're utilizing him, if you're throwing the ball to him, I don't know. I, that it's it's different. It's silly because all four of these teams that are, were available to pick against, they're they're pretty good against the pass. So it's kind of like, all right, well, what do you want to really do on on defense or or on what you're saying? Like, do you want to kind of go higher on the running back, or do you want to go higher on the receivers, thinking one of them has to go off because there's going to be some passing game? And I'm not I'm not quite sure which way I want to go with this yet. All right, over two and a half million players have won cash prizes playing on FanDuel to take advantage of our special offer for new users. Sign up today at fanduel.com slash rotowire and you'll get a free six-month rotowire subscription plus a free entry into the NFL Sunday Million, which offers more than one million in cash prizes with your first deposit on FanDuel. Just visit fanduel.com slash rotowire, void where prohibited. Now, the tight end is ugly. It's an ugly picture. You got Delaney Walker at 54, who's probably the only safe one. If you want to go throw your hat into the Ed Dixon ring or Jesse James, by all means, knock yourself out. Maybe you'll get lucky. Uh, same can be said of Julius Thomas. I mean, I think I would just go with Walker for better or worse and just not overthink it. Yeah, the tight end position reminds me a lot of my uh, date freshman year of high school to prom. Not pretty. Not really pretty at all. Uh, and, and I think that you kind of have to go the Julius Thomas route by default. It's not, it's not a fun thing to do. I know that you're not going to be really excited to run out Julius Thomas and all of your DFS lineups. But at the same time, I don't feel confident at all about Ed Dixon. I don't want to go Jesse James. And I really don't want to go down further than that. So by default, I almost feel like you have to pay up for Thomas at 5,500. Yeah, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a brutal it's a brutal situation there at tight end. It's just, you know, you go Thomas, you go Walker. I mean, if, if Greg Olson was back, that would be something where we could all go, okay, yay, you know, and, and watch. Right. It'll end up being Jesse James and piss everybody the hell off. <laughs> um, you know, quick hot takes from uh, next weekend coming up is before we, you know, do the Friday show. Um, Brady at 86, that's the one that pops to me. Looking at carryover value, that Mark Ingram is still just 82 that he isn't shot up into a higher realm is, is a staggering and Evan Kamara is just 75. I can't imagine how high that ownership's going to be on the wide receiver. And it's amazing what this wide receiver grouping looks like at this point, because when you take, you know, some of these big time guys off, you know, like Antonio Brown's not on the Sunday slate, plus you've had some injuries, you know, it's really, it's up for grabs in receiver. And I just wonder at this point, you know, is it, Time to go back to the Stefan Diggs kind of seventy five hundred and keep playing the playing the odds there with the volume or the crab trees of the world and are we better off spending in that mid range at wide receiver and spending up at running back at this point? I think that it has to be that situation. Well, you know, actually, I'm going to pivot. I think that the running backs there's a lot of different guys that you can utilize that are six thousand and lower. I know you guys were high on Jarek McKinnon Friday. He didn't deliver, but at the same time. He has been a big focal point of that offense. There's not going to be many times where Keenum's throwing four touchdowns a game. And using using that screen play, I think that's also – we talked about the Vikings being bad against the screen game. I really think the Rams also struggle at times against that too. 6,400, that's where McKinnon's value comes into play. Or if you felt like they aren't going to use the screen game, they're going to just run the ball. Latavius Murray, on the other hand, comes a guy that too at 6,600 you feel kind of confident using. I would rather pay something like 7,700 for Cooks, who we talked about against that Raiders team, should be a guy that they utilize quite a bit. Maybe he doesn't get a touchdown, but I bet you he gets over 85 receiving yards, four or five catches. That seems to be a lot to me. Golden Tate at 7,600, too, against the Bears team that just got smoked by the Packers. Uh, I, I like that quite a bit. I don't know. I, I think I'd rather pay up at receiver, pay down at the running back spot, and kind of just hope and pray and figure out which one of those guys is going to be injured or whatever before game time and utilize in my lineup. 
I love how you bookended the show with your Packer joy. It's so great. You can follow him on Twitter and tweet about the Packers to him all day long or for the rest of the week at JB Fantasy Sports. You can follow me at JoePizzaPia17. For everybody here at Rotowire, have a great week of Daily Fantasy. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.